0: Last week, I began this new expository series in the book of First John. There are three letters toward the end of your Bible that John wrote in addition to the Book of Revelation and the Gospel of John. We find the, the letters of first second and third John uh, this Series. This is a consecutive expository series, which is my normal pattern. I break it sometime for for special reasons, like the series on the gospel. It's more topical, but uh, that's the way we are going through this book to understand how it spoke to God's people in its original setting and how it still speaks today as we have and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do in just a moment. Let me explain a little on the subtitle there. It says... That you may know, that's a common phrase throughout the book of 1 John, that you may know, and the end game or the purpose is so that we may know that we have eternal life and that we may know things that are true about God and about ourselves, and we'll be exploring those things as we go through the book. Last week we looked at the prologue, the first four verses of the message, the letter that John wrote to those churches in Asia Minor, probably in the area around Ephesus. Now hear God's word as we read our scripture reading today. 1 John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. Again, I remind you, this is not the word of men, but the word of the Lord. Hear it with careful attention and appreciation. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us the grass withers the flower fades but the word of the lord stands forever let's pray father we ask again your blessing upon your holy word read now will you through your light illumine our hearts and minds and understandings that we might hear your truth and be transformed by it as your spirit applies it to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, who we would see in him only. Amen. Woody Allen, the acclaimed actor and uh, film director, claims to be an atheist. Didn't know if you know that or not, but like many of the Hollywood elites today, uh, they claim to believe not believe in God. But someone once asked Woody Allen this question If there is a God, and if he were to speak to you, what would you hope to hear? Woody Allen said reportedly. If there is a God, and if he were to speak to me, I hope that he would tell me, you are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? You are forgiven. I remember years ago hearing a particular fairly popular evangelical preacher doing an interview and when the question was asked what what would you want people to know about Christianity? If you could could get one thing across help them to understand about the Christian faith. He said I would hope that people would again believe in the forgiveness of sins. Would understand and believe in the forgiveness of sins. Well, today the Apostle Paul tells us that the only way you or I or anyone else, Woody Allen included, are ever going to hear those words, you are forgiven, is also if we speak the words, I have sinned. Today, John is going to tell us that in order to get that you-are-forgiven declaration, we need to be willing to admit who we are and what we've done. As a Christian, what do you do with your sin? What should you do? I know what we often do with it. A lot of us have, um, have a, an 11th commandment that we've added to God's Big Ten. It's basically this, don't get caught. Don't get caught. But how should we respond to our and the sins of others? Unfortunately, we too often deny it when it's there. We rationalize it when it shows up or we try to refine it. Well, it's really not that bad. I'm really no worse than anybody else. You know, I'm not the only one that's ever done this. And so it goes. And other times, we ignore it for a host of reasons. Sometimes we're so discouraged by our own failure and our sin, we, we do realize that we don't even have the will or strength to try to find a way to make it right. Today, John writes to us about these important matters that I've been talking about here. These are important because nothing less than our fellowship with God himself and others is at stake. Now, primarily, listen, primarily this book, 1 John, is being written to, again, Christians. It's not speaking to unbelievers. And that's important that you remember that. So the struggles that John is confronting and has with with the the people that are reading the book. He's talking about stuff they are struggling with as professing believers, as those who are followers of Christ. Now, there are some folks that went out from them that we will see that were false teachers that have left them. And the question that whether they're real believers, that's questionable. But generally speaking, he's talking to struggling Christians. Then and now. But it's important because our fellowship with God is on the line. Now, notice I didn't say that our being justified with God as a believer in Christ is on the line. That's not something that's still in the balance, waiting to see how it pans out. That's something that's already been accomplished and done and achieved. It's not justification being made right with God. It's fellowship with God that gets interrupted and disrupted by our sin. And we need to be able to listen to the truth and tell the truth about that. And that's what John is doing here. We're going to look at this passage using this outline this morning. The revelation of light, the response to the truth and the remedy of confession. There's something that's going to John's going to reveal and then there is a response that's right and there's a response that's wrong to the truth that we learn about ourselves and then there's a remedy. There is a hopeful message about what we do with our sin through confession. Let's look at that together this morning. First of all, the revelation of light. John reveals what he learned from who? Who's the hymn there in in verse 5? It's Jesus. Look, this is the message we have heard from him meaning Jesus, and now proclaim to you that, here's the message that's been revealed, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Now John uses a very simple, not a a very mysterious or unique uh, metaphor here, very simple but profound image to tell us who God is. He says God is light. No, that's not exactly what he says. He really says, God, light. There's no is. The verb supplied there for, for, for understanding. God. Think of God, light. Glorious, blazing, shining, shimmering light. But in what sense is he the light? In a lot of ways, we could talk about that. The light that gives light to others. He's that? Certainly. Jesus said He was that. Jesus said He himself was light. and that's another indication why he's part of the Trinity. He is light, because he is God also. But here, when it says "God is light," I believe the context makes clear that the reference is regarding his moral purity, his absolute uniqueness as a sinless, holy, righteous good. God, and there is none like him. All the other angels of heaven veil their eyes before his burning light. The last clause of the verse makes that pretty clear, doesn't it? How do you know he's talking about that? In him there's no darkness at all. We, as sinful human beings, have darkness in our lives. We have dark hearts, but there's none of that in God. Paul depicts that truth this way in 1 Timothy 6, 15, uh, or, or excuse me, First uh, Timothy six sixteen. He says, regarding God, he's speaking, he says, who alone has immortality and who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and dominion forever. Amen. You remember Moses? (laughs) You remember? He says, God, let me, let me, you and I are friends. Let let me get a a look at you. Let me take a peek. God says, not going to do it. Can't do that, Moses. We're we're not going to go there. (laughs) You can't survive that. You can't see me and live. He's so holy. He's so pure. I love the way the hymn, the old hymn writer put it. One of my favorite hymns, one of the ones I've retuned and do for my own worship. My God, how wonderful thou art. Listen to these words. My God, how wonderful thou art. Thy majesty, how bright. How beautiful thy mercy seat in depths of burning light. How wonderful, how beautiful. The sight of thee must be Thine endless wisdom, boundless power, and awesome purity. You see, that's the light. Awesome, awe-inspiring purity. Matter of fact, the old word is awful purity, but it means today what we say awesome. Mind-blowing light and purity. God is pure light, and you know what that? means by implication. One of the key implications, if God is true light and in him there is no darkness at all, everything that's not in him or connected to him or in fellowship with him is darkness. There's no neutrality. God himself also defines the standard of morality and spirituality that is necessary in order to have connection and fellowship with him. In other words, if you want to have a relationship that is good and that is going to end up in a good place with God, you need to listen to what he defines as that, the good. What he defines as light, not what you define or what someone else defines for you. This is not up in the air. If God is light, then he is the definer of what is light and what is good and what is true. Not you, not me, not our culture, not Hollywood's elite, not our politicians. You see, we can't make this up as we go. We can't say, well, you know, I think I'll, def- I think I'll like my, my, my uh, uh, relationship with God to be kind of like this, and I'm going to do a little of this, and I'm going to add some of that. No, no, it's already been defined. He tells you what's truth. He shows his truth in the light of his word. It's not, it's not ambiguous. It's clear. Some things are right. Some things are wrong. They're not 50 shades of anything. They are true, and what does not conform to the light is false. You see, God is, as we're going to see later on in verse 16, we're going to discover something else that God wants us to know. Today he's telling us what he wants us to know is that God is light. But in, in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 16, we're going to learn that God is also something else. He's love, and that's a good thing. For us god is love but this order here is important why didn't he start with god is love god loves you and has a wonderful pr- why didn't he start there because that's not the most important and the first thing you need to know because if you don't know what the first thing and what the problem is you're not going to know the solution you don't you start with the realization that god is light and therefore, that's bad news for all the rest of us that are full of darkness. But the love then comes in as God provides so loving that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes. You see, they know, love is important, but it has to be in the right order. Otherwise, people are saying Jesus is the answer, and they're saying, "What's the question?" God is saying, "I'll tell you what the question is. I'm light." And because of that, you're in trouble. Because of your sin and your darkness. How can that be resolved? And that's where the gospel and the love of God comes in. But we have to start there. We have to start. The order is so important. John doesn't get it backwards, he gets it right. Because the light shows our need for the love and what love only can accomplish and do. Secondly, what about the response to the truth? To the truth, what? The truth that God is light. What kind of response should there be to that? One of the Bible's most common ways of describing living the Christian life is walking. Notice the title this morning, Walking in the Light. God is light, and if he is, we're to walk in that light. And you know what the first step they take in that walk big one the first step to take in that walk is recognize that there's darkness within you and me in other words if the light is what is what what does light do if you come into a dark room you flip on the switch what happens besides the the, uh, cockroaches scurrying uh you know into the corners besides that what